in my Christian life that I see all through the scriptures is that really God shows up in the mundane times. We always want this ecstatic, powerful voice from heaven, but it's when you're folding your laundry, that's when God shows up. When you're sitting in traffic, when you're frustrated because your computer at work is frozen again, and they haven't given you a new computer since Commodore 64's. As people, we desire certainty. We want to know what the outcome is going to be before going through the process. That can create a lot of uncertainty and fear. But as Pastor Daniel assures us in today's message, God is offering us faithfulness, a promise that He'll be there for us through our feelings of inadequacy. When Moses wanted to bail, God showed him every way. I'll be with you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, The Calling and Excuses of Moses. Really, the stage is set now for what God is going to be accomplishing here. If you remember, look at verse 23 of Exodus chapter 2. We ended with this. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So we see The people crying out, calling out to God, and now we see that God is going to respond. And it's amazing because there is some aspect of our life of faith where God knows exactly what's going on, but when we cry out to him, as we voice our dependence and our need for him, as we do that, God responds. He responds when we cry out. Now, God didn't need the children of Israel to say, hey, God, check out what's going on. God knew it already. But there's some, there's this dynamic that God does when we cry out to him and we say, God, I want you to do what only you can do. He loves to respond. And that is why prayer is so essential. When we take time and we, and we speak forth to God the things that are going on in our lives. And we say, God, I want you to move in this area. I want you to do something here. I want to encourage you. Be a, a man or woman of prayer, of personal prayer, of corporate prayer. I mean, we have a prayer meeting right before our service every single week. Come 45 minutes early. Get your prayer on. You know, we have prayer meetings all the time. There's so many opportunities. And I really believe that prayer is a discipline. It maybe is the hardest of our Christian disciplines because it's really purely spiritual. You can read the Bible, and I'm not saying don't read your Bible, please. We love the Word. But sometimes we can read the Bible, and it's just an intellectual exercise. 
But when you bow your head and your heart and you speak to the God who created, who sustained you, something very powerful happens. And most Christians, we struggle with prayer, don't we? There's just something so challenging about it. But God loves it when he hears his children calling out to him. Now, let's just jump right on in. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Then, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God is revealing himself to Moses. Notice what Moses was doing. Moses was deep in study. No. Moses was deep in prayer. No. Moses was sitting in the congregation of people. No. What was he doing? He was tending his father-in-law's flock on the backside of the desert. Wow. One of the things that I've learned in my Christian life that I see all through the scriptures is that really God shows up in the mundane times. We always want this ecstatic, powerful voice from heaven, but it's when you're folding your laundry. That's when God shows up. When you're sitting in traffic, when you're frustrated because your computer at work is frozen again, and they haven't given you a new computer since Commodore 64s. <laughs> See, God turns the average life into a supernatural experience by his presence. But most of the time, we're so busy waiting for the mountaintops that we miss God in the mundane. We find out that Moses spent 40 years doing this. 40 years. So Moses has been taking his father-in-law's sheep out, tending sheep as a shepherd for 40 years, and God shows up to speak with him in a special way. Don't miss that. Don't miss the blessings of the opportunities of your life. Next time something mundane is going on, you're like, oh, not this again. Think, hey, maybe God's going to show up. God, what are you trying to teach me right now in this circumstance? Moses was a shepherd. We have lots of biblical shepherds. Abel, David, we know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were shepherds. We know our Lord Jesus himself is the good shepherd. He's a shepherd of people. Notice he's having a desert experience. Brothers and sisters, listen, I'm all for education. I want to encourage you. Be educated. It's a, we're blessed in this country to have so much access to information. But out of all the biblical characters, only really Solomon and Paul were very educated. Most of our biblical characters who God uses have a degree, but of a different sort. They have what I like to call a BSD, a backside of the desert degree. 
Moses, right here, backside of the desert degree. You think of John the Baptist. He was a wilderness kind of guy. Elijah the prophet. What about the Apostle John? Exiled to the island of Patmos. Has the revelation. The Apostle Paul spent three years in the Arabian desert after his conversion. Sometimes the only way we can really learn heart lessons is to be stuck on the backside of the desert. When you're stripped of everything. Moses had a BSD, a backside of the desert degree. Now, notice, where is he? He's at Horeb, which is called the mountain of God. Now, you have to realize that in about 20 chapters, the law is going to be given here. Horeb literally means desert or desolation. It is the mountain range in which Mount Sinai exists. So it's called the mountain of God because God reveals himself to Moses there. And then God is going to be the giving of the law is going to happen there in a little bit. Now, notice he's there. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now, this is interesting. This revelation is something very common, a bush in the desert. But this bush is on fire. Now, you got to think that in a dry, arid desert, plants going on fire is also pretty normal. It happens. It's dry. But the difference is, is that this is a fire that is not consuming. It's a fire that's not consuming. In a lot of ways, as unfortunate as it is, this is a a picture of God's judgment. That's what hell will be like for those who have willfully chosen to reject God's gift of salvation. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to a TV program and uh, Deepak Chopra, who's a, a New York Times bestselling author, said that anybody who believes in hell must have something, some psychological problems. And I thought to myself, now, Isn't that a pompous statement? Because he doesn't, then you must have a psychological problem. Now listen, I've been to enough places in the world to know that there's a lot of hell on this earth already. Hell, hardship, pain. The only difference is is that hell was not created by God. Hell was actually the ultimate result of man's rebellion. Soren Kierkegaard, The philosopher said that hell is our self-willed and self-rebellion on orbit into eternity. If you think about it, it's a powerful... Imagine getting what you want on arc into eternity. If you've ever met somebody who is ensnared in serious drug addiction, you see what that looks like. Jesus talked about that hell is a place where the worm is not turned and the fire is not quenched. It's a non-consuming fire, but it burns. Moses sees this. Look at verse 3. And now I'll turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, Notice that Moses saw something unique and he took the time to stop and look. 
That's an important application, isn't it? Sometimes God's trying to get our attention, but we are too busy. We are not available to see what God wants to see. Moses took a moment to tarry. He could have been like, oh, I gotta get these sheep back to my father-in-law Jethro because the dinner's on the table. He took the moment and he stopped. So brothers and sisters, stop for a moment. When you notice something, take a minute and dwell there. God may be wanting to speak to you there. This idea of Moses, Moses, this was, they call this the repetition of endearment. In that Semitic culture, oftentimes a name would be repeated as a sign of affection or friendship. It says, Moses, 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 here I am. I mean, Moses is talking to a burning bush. But he hears that voice, he talks back, here I am. And look at what happens in verse 5. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. It's interesting. This is the calling of Moses, right? The first thing that God tells Moses is, don't come near, take off your sandals, which was a sign of humility, for this place is holy ground. The very first step in God's revelation to Moses was of his holiness, And I believe that in the West, in America, the biggest issue that people do not realize about God is that God is holy. And that idea of holiness, it means that God is other. God is distinct. Nietzsche said that if God created us in his image, we've been returning the favor ever since. And most people want to craft God after their own image. I want a God who loves what I love, who hates what I hate, who values what I value, who despises what I despise. But God's beginning of his revelation is, I'm holy. I am distinct. I am other. I exist outside of your categories. And by saying right away, the beginning of his revelation is, take off your sandals. Be humble Don't come any closer because this is a holy place. And really, the whole of the law, which is going to begin back at Horeb in in about 20 chapters from now, all the way to the end of Deuteronomy, one of the themes is the holiness of God. God says, don't do this. Why? For I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Be distinct. Be other. Be separated. When was the last time you said, God, reveal to me your holiness? Help me understand this huge ethereal concept. Help me understand it in real time. And Lord, as you reveal your holiness, will you make me holy? Set me apart. But the beginning of this revelation is all about the holiness of God. Now, what's interesting is that in Joshua chapter 5, as Joshua is about to bring the children of Israel into the promised land, he meets the captain of the Lord's army, and the the captains of the Lord's army says the exact same thing to Joshua. Take off your sandals, it's holy ground. You can read it on your own in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. God reveals himself as the holy one, the holy one of Israel. In verse 6, it says this, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look Upon God. God says, remove your sandals. This is a holy moment. And I'm the God of your forefathers. And this is why we studied the book of Genesis before we studied the book of Exodus. 
Because now we understand who is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who created everything, the God who sustains everything. Now, beginning in verse 7 and continuing on to Exodus chapter 4, verse 17, we're going to see five excuses that Moses is going to give to not have to live out his calling. Five excuses. Now, I'm going to challenge you all the way through because I guarantee in this room, all of us are giving God either all of these or at least a few of them to not step in to what God has called you to and what God is calling me to. Now, what's interesting about these five excuses is that each one of these excuses, what Moses wants is certainty. He wants to know that he knows that he knows that everything is going to work out the way he expects it to. Moses wants certainty. And you know what? God never gives him certainty. God actually says, I'll be faithful. Moses wants intellectual certainty. God says, I'll give you fidelity. I'll give you faithfulness. And the difference, we want, let's be honest, we want certainty more than we want faithfulness because certainty is flat It's intellectual. It's this and this. God says, no, no. I know you want it flat, intellectualized out. I'm going to give you a relationship of faithfulness. And guess what happens with relationships? They're messy, aren't they? They're not flat at all. They have nooks and crannies, highs and lows. And as we read the Bible together on these Wednesday nights, as we go through the whole of Scripture, you're going to see the faithfulness of God, the fidelity of God. But some days he's sending them to exile. Some days he's bringing them back from exile. Some days he's lavishing blessings, and other days he's withholding blessings because they can't really receive the blessings in a way that God would want them to. So in each one of our lives, you have to ask yourself, am I not, am I making excuses because I want certainty that God won't give me, but what really God is offering is his faithfulness in the process. And this is exacerbated in our culture because our culture thrives on certainty. I mean, we can sue a car company if they tell us that we're going to get 31 miles per gallon when we buy the car, and it comes out to be 29 miles a gallon. We had a certain number, and now you owe us. Our culture thrives on certainty. And we want that spiritually, but God never gives us certainty. He gives us faithfulness, fidelity. So Moses' issue is he wants certainty, and God keeps saying, look, I'll give you my faithfulness. So as we see, I've called this message the calling and excuses of Moses. And I believe that in this room, for all of God's children, God has called all of us. And all of us are great at making excuses. So my prayer is that as we see Moses, that we learn from the admonition. And for some of us today, we say, God, I'm sorry that I'm making that excuse of Moses. And Lord, I'm going to trust you in your fidelity, in your faithfulness. And you guys know, I'm going to ask all of you to take bold steps of faith with the Lord. Because isn't that what it's really all about? We walk by faith and not by sight. So let's jump in. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a land, 
to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh and you that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, notice this, because Moses is going to get into his excuse right now. Remember what we said in the book of Genesis. It's always about God, the people, and the land, right? We saw that right in Genesis. Notice we see it again. He says, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have seen what's going on with my people because of their taskmasters. And I'm going to deliver them, and I'm going to deliver them where? Into a land. A good land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which speaks of plenty, blessings in that culture. It wasn't like where we live today, where you just go into Freddie Myers and you can get as much honey and milk of whatever sort you want. It's not like that back then. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have uh, factories of honey. None of that stuff. So when he said a land flowing with milk and honey, they're like, whoa. That'd be like the equivalent of like having a, walking into a land and there's just, um, I don't know, bacon cheeseburgers everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And you couldn't get heavy on them. I mean, it'd be awesome. Or if you're, if you're a vegetarian, there's tofu everywhere. You know, whatever your thing is. That's, that's the equivalent. Or for me, it'd be Ben and Jerry's everywhere. That's my, you know, mm. So you have God, you have the people, and then you have the land. I want you to notice a few things really quickly. Notice, God says this. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian to bring them up to the land. God comes down to bring his people up. God came down to do what? To bring his people up. Jesus didn't come down so that we stay down. He came down so that we go up with him. That's the purposes and plans of God. God came down, in this case, came down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians to bring them up to a good land. And that's exactly how God always works. He comes down so that we can go up. But we cannot go up without him. And that's the lie of a kind of self-help culture. Yeah, you can change your behaviors, but you can't change your heart. You can get yourself out of a bad situation, but it's not going to change your heart. And it's not going to bring you up. Only God coming down and taking us by the hand and bringing us up. So you have God, the people, and the land. And notice, he ends in verse 10, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. There's the calling of Moses right there. He's like, buddy, you, you're going to go. And he already said he's going to do it, but Moses is going to be his instrument. And now the five excuses begin. Look at the first one, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel asked us to consider why we make excuses with God. It may be that we want certainty when God is offering His faithfulness. 
As we heard God call Moses, we learned that He is calling all of us, and we can trust in His fidelity. We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited. My book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available right now. It is released and God is using this book to be a message of hope to people who realize that life is messy, but Jesus is real. So get the book now. You can download it online. Go to honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold and where you like to get it. You and your friends are going to be blessed to get to read Honestly. I'm so excited about it. God bless you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel shares from his own life about what it was like to go into the ministry for the first time. The hesitation and doubt that we all feel when we reflect on our own transgressions. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is-